We are in the, as you know now by now, third Sunday of Advent, and we are talking about signs of peace. And um, this is just one of the great, uh, I know I say that every Sunday, it's one of the great passages in the Bible. Well, it is, but this is one that um, me and uh, me and another guy by the name of uh, Handel kind of agree on. And um, just in case you're wondering, this proclamation that Isaiah is making is to a world full of just it's total messes and conflict and chaos and, and uh, political unrest, and they don't even know who's going to be ruling the country. And uh, they, they, as far as practicing their religion, they're not even able to do that. They don't know, they don't, they're really in a fight for survival as much as anything else. So when Isaiah comes along with these, these words of encouragement about the coming Messiah, first of all, they don't know that it's going to be another circa six to seven hundred years before Jesus would come, the Messiah would come. They don't know that at this point. They just know that there is going to be a coming Messiah. And so when he utters these words to them, um, I mean, just the total, total lack of stability and, uh, and, and the fact that they're looking at, they, they desperately need peace in their lives. So this is why this is especially uh, relevant to them and to us whether we're living circa 700 years before Christ or whether we're living in, in 2010, almost 2011, uh, with conflict and, and, and stress and dysfunction and all the other sorts of stuff that comes around and comes along in our lives. So I think it's a great passage. And that's just really two verses, and really we're just going to really emphasize one verse, and really of that one verse, just four different phrases of that one verse from Isaiah chapter, um, chapter 9. So here we go. Here we go. The message is this, the Messiah is coming to bring peace in the midst of this chaos and conflict and instability. And, and this is the passage right here, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make that happen. Now, I know some of you are already in the back of your mind, you know, for the government. You know, you're, you're, you're singing the Messiah over and over again in your brain probably. I, whenever I read that passage, and, and, and just for the record, no, um, this wasn't taken from the Messiah the Messiah was taken from this, just to make sure we understand that, all right? It's important for us. Anybody else have wet feet? I got wet feet, you know? And I'm, I feel extra, extra pressure this morning because a friend of mine showed up this morning and he was wet and looks like trash. He always looks like trash, but I mean, he, it, it, and, uh, and he says to me, this better be worth it. <laughs> So I'm feeling some pressure with wet feet and everything and wet pants. Anyway, uh, uh, trouser legs, let me make that clear. Um, Messiah is coming to bring peace in the midst of chaos and instability. That's why when one looks at this passage, if I had a title, it would be, What Was Handel So Excited About? And I think we're going to see that very simple. Really. Here's what I'm going to do. That passage that we just read, really verse 6 that we just read, when it says, the government will rest upon his shoulders, he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want to take those four things and just talk about them for a minute, all right? 
uh, because this is really what the whole essence of, of the coming Messiah is about. And, and you can just see it, wonderful counselor. One Bible puts it this way, amazing counselor. One Bible, I just, read, I just saw that this week. I'd never seen this, and it's a new translation, and, and I'd never seen anybody translate it this way before. They took the, the words out of the Hebrew, wonderful counselor, and they translated it, uh, extraordinary strategist. Isn't that interesting? Extraordinary strategist. You ever thought about Jesus being, the Messiah being, he was, though. Uh, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So I want to just take those, just real quick. Wonderful counselor. Let's talk about that a minute. I kind of relate. We can, we can all kind of relate to that a little bit. Wonderful counselor. Someone who can relate and who can forgive and who can relate to us in what our situation might, whatever it might be. Now, you know, think about this for a moment. What, what does a good counselor do? Okay? Um, and by the way, I mean, I think you know this, but if you don't, I'll tell you. Um, therapy is good, but not all therapy is good, if you know what I mean by that. Um, you know, sometimes you can get, you know, because we talk about that from time to time where, you know, that certainly there are times when we need to seek out some, some help to help us through some different difficult times. And I often would recommend that for people. I, I do pastoral counseling, but that's much different than, I'm not a therapist, okay? And, and, um, uh, and I was talking to somebody the other day, and he was talking about some, some psychiatrist that he went to. And, and I know the particular term. It doesn't matter what it is that, that this particular psychiatrist uses. And he told me, I said, well, how'd that work for you? And he said, well, I sat there for an hour, and I just talked. And then he never, ever did anything except repeat back to me a few phrases that I had said. And, and that's all he ever got. But I said, dude, all therapy is not good therapy, Okay. And uh, you need to keep that in mind. However, we all need someone that we can go to who can relate to us and to our situations. And sometimes there might be a person in our life that might provide that for us, maybe a, a close friend or a, a pastor or a, a mentor or, 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 or a wife or a husband, father, mother, whatever. But we always need somebody who can always do that. And there's only one person who can. And that's the Messiah. And that's when he talks about the wonderful counselor, someone who can relate to our struggles and inspire us and give us an ability to overcome them. And that's Jesus. That's the Messiah when you think about it. Um, Peace is the theme of the day. And and here he's talking about peace that can finally, um, that I can finally find someone who can relate to my struggle and, and help me do something about it. There's a passage in the Bible, three verses. I'm just going to read Hebrews chapter 4. I'll show you in just a second. And I think it kind of encapsulates this whole concept for me when we talk about wonderful counselor. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it goes like this. That is why we have a great high priest who has gone to heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us, watch this, let us cling to him and never stop trusting him. Did you get that? Never stop trusting him. You say, well, I, I'm one of those people that I've trusted Christ as my Lord, and don't I just do that once? There might be a one time, hopefully there has been one time in your life when you've made that decision. I'm going to trust Christ with my life. But you know what? You never get away from trusting Christ daily. And that's what Hebrews is talking about. Never stop trusting him. I never, you know? 
Now, some days are better than others, obviously, but we never, we never stop trusting him. Verse 15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. Do you get that? He faced all the, uh, he faced all of the same temptations that we do. Here we have this, this wonderful counselor who has faced all the stuff that we have faced, yet he never, never once, never, never once, never once did he take that opportunity to lose his temper. Never once did he feast his eyes upon something that he shouldn't have been looking at. Never once did he let that thought go too far and become, whether it be some sort of something of, of animosity, or whether it be some sort of lustful thought, or whether it be... So, never once. And, 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 and here's the issue. Jesus had all those... He lived in the world just like you and me. He had all the opportunities. He never once, because he was God. He was 100% man, but he's also 100% God. Theological term for that, if you care. It's called hypostatic union. But um, that's who he is, and, and that's why we can go to Christ. And that's why I can be in any situation, any situation. And it, it took me a while to grasp this. It really did. And I can think, oh, gosh, this is, this is tough. I'm, I'm about ready to whatever I'm going to do here that's, that's wrong. And you can stop and you can just pray, Lord, here I am. Standing in some need of prayer, need some help, and only you can help me. That's the kind of wonderful counselor he is. It's pretty heavy-duty stuff. So, one of the points, one of the things that certainly Handel was pretty excited about, being the good Christian boy that he was and the Christian man when he wrote The Messiah, one of those things is that he, he, he had a wonderful counselor in the person of Christ. And, and by the way, when you read that, you keep reading here, verse 16, because he did not sin, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Just, just the right time, we'll find it. The issue here, folks, and it's an important issue, is that when we come to Christ and we, we make that decision, if you, ha- if you have, and if you haven't, think about it. You make that decision. I want, to trust, I want to trust you, Lord. I believe you came and you lived, you died, and you rose again. I'm trusting my, I'm trusting my life with yours right now. I'm trusting you for forgiveness. You make that decision. Here's the thing. That's partially what prayer is about, is being able to go back to, to Christ and say, here I am, Lord. Gosh, I need help here. I got this guy that I'm dealing with, and he's just a first-class dirt ball, or worse. And uh, I need the grace of God to deal with this. I need your help. I need <laughs> You've dealt with people like that, Lord. <laughs> help me. And that's cool. That's some cool stuff. First thing, we talked about that. Wonderful counselor. Second thing, the mighty God. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God. This is a God to whom you can trust your life, as well as the missteps of your life, I might add, which we all have. Let me read to you. We're going to move ahead in Isaiah. We're in chapter 9. Let's go to chapter 40. Just read to you a couple of things there to kind of il- illustrate this point. Chapter 40, verse 27, O Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? He's talking to Israel here. O Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? 
Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak. That's me and you, weak at times. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. And that's me and you too. That's who he is. So, so the point is here, not only is he this wonderful counselor, but he's a mighty God. He's a person in whom I can trust my life because he's that kind, he's that powerful of a God. And, and you know, you can get, it's an important concept. Um, you, can pre- you get pretty excited. You can sing the hallelujah chorus when you, uh, at least you try, uh, when you realize that no matter what happened or what happens, There is a mighty God in this universe that remains ready at your invitation to work in your life. He's there all the time. And I I just got to remind you of that. Mighty God, always ready, willing, and able to work in your life. And, you know, when you understand that, he's able to to take it. This is an important concept to me. Um, You know, one of the things, uh, I'll tell you this. I hesitate to tell you this because I like to talk about how terrible it is to get older. But um, that even though I don't feel old, I'm going to tell you about one of the advantages of getting older, okay? And I've, 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 this is something that I've, re- I've really thought about more since I turned 60 than any, any other time. I know, I know, I know. Visitors are here going, God, he's 60? That's unbelievable. Um, <laughs> always got to say that. Uh, <laughs> um, one of the advantages is some of those things you look back on in life when you, that you're just, just ready to bomb you out at the time. And whether it be with your kids or whether it be with your life or your marriage, uh, just business, some of those things that you just thought, I, I, I'm, I'm going to die. I, at least I want to die. You look back on and you see God working different little twists and different little turns and you look back on that and you're like, Wow. Am I thankful that I serve a mighty God, a mighty God? And you look back on some of those things, and you see all the good stuff, and you see all the bad stuff. You see all the stuff that's your fault. You see stuff that's somebody else's fault. You see stuff that's nobody's fault. And you're able to to thank God that he is building a wonderful story within a story of your life. Some of you have heard me say this. Some of you have read emails from me. Some of you have heard me annoyingly probably tell you this in person more than once. You're worried about a child or a parent or situation. You've probably heard something like this come out of my mouth or from my computer. This story's not over yet. And it's true. It may feel like it right now to you. (laughs) And, and, And we've all been there. It may seem like it, but it's not over yet. And we serve a mighty God. <laughs> the children's song. <laughs> There's a children's song. Back, when I was at the church I used to pastor years ago, and, and I've only been a pastor in three churches, but the, the other one was in Colorado. We, we would do the little children's thing up front in the middle of service and then dismiss the kids to their classes. And uh, our music guy would always do a little children's song. And one song he used to always do a lot was, my God is so big, so, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. You ever hear that? My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. So you didn't think I could sing, did you? Um, 
I can sing like that. Um, sort of a child rap, you know. Anyway, uh, and, and I, I remember so many times, he would do that. Uh, he'd probably do that once a month or so. I remember so many times getting with guys and going through different issues of life, and, and I'd say, oh, you know, how are you going to be okay? And I remember many times uh, some guys would say to me, Oh, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. It's like, how true, there's so much truth in some of these children's songs. They stick with you. That's why it's important to remember this stuff and think about this stuff. We serve a mighty God. It's wonderful truth. Um, and we serve a mighty God that, is, that, <laughs> that we are able to embrace all the shame and the glory of our lives because he's writing the story within a story in all of our lives. And he's very, he, he, we, we serve a mighty God who is very willing and very able upon your invitation to work in your life. Don't ever forget that. Next time you hear a little bit of the Messiah and you hear wonderful counselor, mighty God, you think, yeah, in my life, he can work and does. Everlasting Father. The Everlasting Father. I love this one. Just real simple. Someone who understands the big, big picture in life. And this is kind of what we were just talking about a minute ago. In my twists and turns of life, I don't always see the big picture. Because, I get, you know, we get into our situations and our stuff. But God's always got the big picture in mind. And we need to just stop and reflect and think about that. There's a verse that goes with that that I just think of. It's one verse. It's from the book of Job. And most of you know the story of Job. Suffered immensely, and health went went crazy. Health went just went south on him, and and, and then his, he lost his family, lost all of his worldly goods. He lost everything except his wife, and that's the one thing he probably should have lost. And that sounds terrible for a minister to say that, doesn't it? But um, but she was just she was just a challenge. How's that? <laughs> you thought I was going to say something? I was thinking it. Um, anyway. Um, she was quite the challenge, and yet God worked through her, and, 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 but he lost everything else. So he goes through 37 chapters. God, why? What did I do? Why? 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 37 chapters of Job. I mean, it's a lot. And he finally gets one. God finally, starting chapter, thir- verse, Job 38, excuse me, Job 38, verse 1, God starts to answer. I'm going to give you one verse. One verse. It's really all you need. You can read, go back and read it sometime. Job 38, and you start reading from then on, and you see, God talking about who he is. But here's the one thing God says to Job. Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. That's a great verse. That's a great verse. And you know, God, you know, if, if I were God, and, and, and we are grateful that I'm not, I would have probably said it something like this. Hey, dirt ball. Where were you, you little arrogant so-and-so, when I laid the foundation of the earth? But God doesn't do it that way. God's like, hey, Rich, you have a lot of questions, don't you? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? I'm your loving father. Trust me. Big difference there. Big difference there, isn't there? And he is. And we can trust him. And what makes us think we can always understand everything? We can't. We're crazy. Thinking we can. You see, that's why it's called a life of faith. 
It's not called a life of empirical evidence. <laughs> Wish it were. It's a life of faith. That's why we have this everlasting Father. Amazing, too. Life of hope and peace that comes through a relationship with this everlasting Father. So, we got so far. What do we got? We've got wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. One more. The Prince of Peace. Someone who can bring peace into our world that's full of conflict, chaos at times, dysfunctional stuff at times. Colossians puts it this way, Colossians chapter 3, one verse, verse 15, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace. Let the, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in Christ. Uh, Pascal is attributed to have said this, there's a God-created vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator who made known through Jesus Christ. Hmm. And you know, the passion and the excitement that George, Hed- uh, George Frederick Handel, or for that matter, any follower of Christ at, of any age, can best be summed up by saying that enthusiasm doesn't come in an excitement about an organization or excitement about a building or excitement about a moral code, but it comes with an excitement about a living God who who changes people's lives. And that's why Handel was so excited about this. It's amazing. Four thoughts. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, mighty God who, the one to whom you can trust your life, the everlasting father, someone who understands the big, big picture, even though we don't always understand the big, big picture. I didn't tell you this. I'll tell you this now. That verse I read earlier, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? You know, I remember, I don't I remember the first time I heard that verse. I was um, 26 years old. Gosh, a long time ago. And I was in class, and uh, I had gone back to school to study for the ministry. And my favorite professor, Dr. Sproul, who's still alive, actually. Um, I don't know why I share that with you, but I just thought... You know, it's amazing when I find a professor who's still alive. But anyway, uh, they were all my age when I was in school, so I'm thinking, you know, okay, that's 30 years ago. Anyway, um, enough of my personal issues. Um, but but this, is, this is an amazing story. And I remember Dr. Sproul using that verse many times. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? So one day, and it was a small school and small classes, and you could talk to, to, one of the great things about the school was you, could, you got to know the professors, and they became mentors to you, and it was just great. And so I asked him one day, I said, Dr. Sproul, I said, um, you use that verse a lot. Why, why do you do that? He said, well, it means a lot to me. And I said, why does it mean a lot to you? And he said, um, that's the verse that I learned when we lost a child. 
And you have a way of never forgetting those things, don't you? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Everlasting Father. Wow. So we've got a wonderful counselor. We have a mighty God. We have an everlasting Father, someone who understands the big, big picture, even though we don't. And the last thing is the Prince of Peace. He brings peace to us. Let me, let me wrap this up with a quote from um, my favorite Roman senator and, and uh, actually George Washington. One of George Washington's big influences was, was Seneca um, and um, Roman uh, philosopher. Lived during the time of Christ, actually, New Testament times. And I've used this quote before, but I love it. It just, it just, so, it just so encapsulates what we're talking about here. We talked about these four aspects of what Handel was excited about and, and, and what it means about Advent and what it means the coming Messiah, or in our case, the Messiah who has come already and now is here. Seneca said this, To see a man fearless in dangers, untainted with lusts, happy in adversity, composed in a tumult, and laughing at all those things which are generally either coveted or feared, all men must acknowledge that this can be from nothing else but a beam of divinity that influences a mortal body. You see a man or you see a woman, <laughs> I love that. Danger doesn't bother them. Lust, they're not, they're untainted by lust, desires. Adversity, they're still happy with adversity. Composed in all kinds of tumult going on in their life, conflict laughing at all those things that generally bring fear or, or, or coveting to people. You see a man like that, you see a woman like that, they've been touched by divinity. They've been touched by Christ, is how I would say it. And I would pray that God would make you, me, that kind of person. As we think about that, as we celebrate the Advent, the coming of our Lord. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are grateful that we can stop and think about some of these things that really matter a whole lot. And the fact that, Lord, you are a mighty counselor, almighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace in our lives. We are grateful. And we pray that we would be ever mindful of that during this time of the year and in the days to come after that. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.